Well, what is up, Victory Hamilton Mill? How's 11 a.m. doing today? It's good to see you guys. I don't know what TJ's drinking, but I just want to have whatever he's had. That, that man's a... And, and that's his wife. <laughs> All right, maybe we should be drinking what she's drinking. I don't know. <laughs> Well, hey, we're so glad you guys are here with us today. Uh, she's not a crazy woman. She loves Jesus. So, um, and, you know, here we are in the beginning of the summer. And I know today's a little gray and wet, but man, has anybody noticed a cool breeze at night and in the morning? Come on, Jesus. It has been so good. It's almost been perfect. I think Georgia's showing off. But you know what? It's spoiling us because we know right around the corner is that horrible heat and humidity. So let's enjoy it while we got it, people, amen? Hey, listen, our prayer is truly that this will be for all of us, including my family, I say in us, all of us would have a Jesus summer, amen? That it can be an incredible summer for you and your family. And so if you're traveling this summer, may the Lord protect you, may you make precious memories uh, if, if, as we go here this summer and press into the heart of God. Come on, a lot of times in summer, people take a vacation from God but not Victory Hamilton Mill and not Victory Church. We're not going to get lazy and lean back. We're going to lean into the heart of God. Amen? We're going to press into God for all that he has for us this year, or excuse me, this summer, and it's going to be amazing. I guarantee you, watch. If we press into the heart of God, you watch what's going to happen by, by August. Amen? So, hey, if you're just joining us, I want to say hello to YouTube and Facebook family. If you're just joining us, we, are, we have been on this amazing journey of walking through the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Actually, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6, we'll go there in just a second. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's the three chapters that are full of red letters, straight from the mouth and the heart of Jesus. It was a message that Jesus preached on a hill uh, to a huge crowd of people, mainly Jews, sprinkled in there with some Gentiles, that would be us, all right? And he's telling them in this uh, sermon that, just, that is documented in, in 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, he's telling us how to truly live, somebody say live, how to truly live this life, to live like him, to be like him. And, and it, hey, guess, guess what? Believe it or not, for the last four months, we literally spent, uh, we went through chapter 5. So literally, it took us four months to get through it, verse by verse, line by line, 48 verses to be exact, and man, has it been so good. But it's also been very challenging. How many people know you can have it good and be challenged at the same time? Amen? And we should be challenged. By the way, the only way you grow is when we get challenged, when we, when we get stretched. That's how we grow. And so we are taking our time through this life-changing message that Jesus preached some 2,000 years ago, but hello, it's still relevant to today. The word of God. Come on, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and, and his word does not change. And here's, here's my encouragement to us uh, for this summer and also as we look into chapter six today. Hey, as you dive into God this summer, don't just read the word and check box and move on. Take your time in the word of God. Come on, like dive into the word of God. Don't just read the word, meditate on the word and let it read you. Amen? The word's alive, written by God and through, through man. And so let the word read you. And, and I've always thought the word of God, come on, any, any steak lovers in the room? I got any steak lovers in the room? Any carnivores, all right? Some T-Rex, some raptors, all right? You just tear that steak apart, all right? I don't know the best steak you've ever had, and if you know it, please tell me afterward, because I'm always looking. But I believe that the Word of God is like a delicious steak. Come on, you take your time and savor and enjoy every bite, amen? And so take your time in the Word of God and let God do something deep in your heart. Somebody say deep. And here's why, look right here on the screen as I'm just setting us up for where we're gonna go today. There is so much in God's word, we often just skim right past all the while God is inviting us to slow down. Somebody say slow down. Look at your neighbor and say slow down. Somebody say you better slow down, honey. Slow down, but, but here look, and put on your scuba tanks and explore the depths 
of the scriptures. Amen? Let's make this a summer of diving deeper. Diving deeper into God, diving deeper into his word, and come on, how about this? Diving deeper into our relationships with one another. Come on, we don't need shallow Christianity. Let's go deep. You can only have so much fun in the shallow end of a pool. Come on, somebody. You don't dive in the shallow end, you're gonna get hurt. All right, you dive into the deep end. And let's dive deep into the heart of God this summer. Come on, somebody, listen. Whatever you put into anything is what you're gonna get out of it. So let's put our all this summer into God and his word and into each other and watch what God would do. Amen? So with that being said, uh, let's, let's get ready to go into chapter six. And if you're taking notes today, uh, the title of my teaching is Giving in Secret. And let me just go ahead and tell you, you, you might think like, here we are in chapter six, maybe Jesus is gonna pull back a little bit. Nope, he just puts his foot on the gas. He doesn't hold any punches. He's gonna go there with us. And so let's pray and get ready to go right into Matthew 6. We're gonna look at just four verses today. Matthew 6, one through four. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now just to come a little closer. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds to understand your word. And like TJ prayed earlier, that we would not just be listeners and hearers of the word, but we'd be doers of your word. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me speak to these beautiful people and those who are watching us online today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. Matthew chapter six, are you there? Verse one, four verses, we're gonna park there today, reading out of the NIV, but we're gonna go to Amplified a little bit later on. Be careful, he says, verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness, now look at this, in front of others, to be seen by them. Be, uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Mm. Verse two, so when, somebody say when. when, highlighting some words here, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, Look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, look at this, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So what Jesus is saying, that's all they're gonna get. That's all they're gonna get, all right? Verse three, but when, somebody say when, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Jesus is giving almost a humorous hyperbole. That's how secretive he wants you to be when you bless someone or when you meet someone's need. So that your giving, verse four, may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, come on, because he sees everything. Then your father who, is, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus begins talking to us in these four verses here uh, about things that we should do. He calls it the, the practicing of righteousness or other translation call it the acts of righteousness. And in this, and in this whole um, sermon here of chapter six, remember this is a message that Matthew documented. So it was a message that Jesus preached. These were not chapters, this was a message. We have chapters today in the Bible. And so in chapter six, Jesus lumps, literally the whole chapter six, he lumps righteous living into three categories. Giving, praying, and fasting. Can you say that with me? Giving, praying, and fasting. So as we go into the summer and go all through chapter six, we'll end by the summer with chapter six before we go into chapter seven, literally he sums up righteous living as these three. These righteous actions, they would mirror the way that Jesus lived. Come on, Jesus was a big giver. So much so that he gave his only life, all right? He was a big giver. You can, you can see that through the gospels. Jesus loved to pray. He loved to talk to his father. The Bible tells us that he talked to the father all day, but there were special times where early in the morning and late at night, he would be alone with the father, having conversation, just praying, talking to the father. And then Jesus fasted. You can see it in the scriptures. He fasted. So if, if it's really, when it, when it comes down to it, this whole message is about being like Jesus. 
And so he sums up these qualities, or excuse me, these righteous acts as three things, giving, praying, and fasting. And here's the thing, as we continue through this chapter six, today we're just hitting the first four verses, we'll see one important word all through chapter six. He says it over and over again. That word is when. When, say it with me, when. Then when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Jesus is talking when you do these things. Listen to me, when, not if. So what is it saying? Please please hear me, Hamilton Mill, 11 a.m. Listen, this is very important. Please hear me. Our heavenly father is assuming us, his kids, his children, we will give. He's assuming we will pray. And he's assuming that we will fast. Jesus is saying, when you do these things, when you do this. Now listen to me. Let's, Let's dive into this just for a moment. Most Christians would assume that prayer is a a, a normal part of Christianity. I would say, sadly, many Christians don't pray. They're missing the incredible adventure of prayer. But most Christians, if you ask them, you said about prayer, they'd say, yeah, that's pretty normal in Christianity. There There would probably be, but if we dive a little deeper, there would probably be some who debate whether giving is still a part of Christianity. And then there would be a whole bunch that would probably think that fasting is just not relevant to today to a Christian's walk. But I'm here to tell you, church, listen to me, that giving, prayer, and fasting should be the normal mode of operation for any Christ follower. Giving, prayer, and fasting, man, I mean, it's just like automatic. It's it's what we do. It's it's how we live. It's honestly, this language may may feel strong, but it's a non-negotiable for Christians. Giving, prayer, and fasting. And I'm just asking the Lord, like, God, how because I'm a big why guy. Like, I like to know why. I don't know. Maybe one of the first words a kid says is why to their parents. I know it drives us parents crazy, right? They're two years old. Why? And finally, we're like, because I said so. You know, but, but I'm asking the Lord over the weekend, God, help me answer why for you and actually for me so I can preach it with sincerity and purity in my heart. And it just kind of came to me. Why do I give? Why, why do I pray? Why do I fast? You know what? Because he gave his all for me. Our father gave his all, his only son, so we could have relationship with him. So my response of worship is I give. My response of worship is I pray and I fast just to know him more. Amen? So let's look now as we dive in just to the secret, the power really of the secret of giving, the giving, giving in secret when, when no one knows. Billy Graham said this. Uh, he's with the Lord now. He's probably up there preaching, uh, even though everybody's saved, so they're just all yes and amen him. But uh, he was a preaching machine. Come on, somebody. And Billy said this years ago, and I heard it a long time ago, and then I was reminded over the weekend as I was studying. God has given us two hands. Somebody say two hands. God's given us two hands, one to receive with, and one to give with. One to receive with and the other to give with. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. Come on. We are channels, say it with me, made for. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for giving. Now I'm just curious in the room, how many people, this is not a trick question, from the front to the back, I see you online, you're on your couch right now, how many people in the room, you just wanna be, you wanna live a blessed life? Come on somebody, just be real. If you don't, like, I think something's wrong with you, but, uh, but everybody wants to be blessed, but can I tell you, God doesn't want just to bless you for you to be blessed. He wants to bless you, listen to me church, so you can be a blessing. He's not called us to be in some stagnant pond where we just collect everything. And he's called us to be like a river. And if he can get it to you, he'll get it. Literally, if he can get it through you, he will get it to you. He's looking for us to be a people that will bless, that will give. But today we're looking at giving in secret. When, When Lisa and I first started in ministry, Many moons ago, 
um, 27 years ago, uh, I was a part-time youth pastor making a good old 75 bucks a week. Yeah. And that was not a sincere whoa because it was tight back in the day. And it, it was tight, and Lisa was looking for all kind of jobs, and the only job that came available, if you can believe it or not, Lisa was working at a seed and feed place, working with farmers, all right, doing some admin work, just, just to pay the bills. Come on, somebody, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Hello. It may not be the job you want, but like, dear Lord, we gonna, we're either going to drown or we're going to go all in. So things were extremely tight, and, and I wasn't making it as a part-time youth pastor with 75 bucks a week. I remember when I got a raise to 125, I thought the Lord just, oh, dear Jesus, this is all, you know? And, um, and so I had to get another part-time job, and this is going to show my age a little bit. I'm wondering who's going to be, 9 a.m. went crazy, but I had to get a part-time job at Buster Brown's Shoes. Anybody remember Buster Brown's Shoes? All right. Better than Air Jordans, all right? And um, somebody's like, what you talking about? But, but so Buster Brown's shoes, they were, they were comfy. They were, they were known to be able to, you, we had the size. We would make it fit. We'd fit it in there however we could, but they, they were special shoes. And I loved working with the kids. The parents drove me crazy, but I loved it. But things were extremely tight. And, uh, you know, I, we, we never publicly, listen to the word here. We never publicly complained publicly. And how many people know you, you, God wants to hear your heart, but we privately complain to the father. I mean, we'd be at the bed like, Lord, you see everything we're doing, please. You know, like it, I mean, it was tight. And if one, it was so tight, if the car broke down or something happened or the AC went out, it's like, Oh Lord, you know, it, it was just crazy. And we were just praying and, and, and privately, you know, complaining and asking God for help and doing all that we could do. And God was blessing in the midst of all that. And I remember uh, a brother, first time it happened, it just blew me away. Happened two or three times at this one church where we were serving at. A brother came up to me like this. Andrew, come over here for me for just a second. And we were in the middle of everybody just hanging out after worship. And he came up and gave me what we call the Holy Ghost handshake. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, came up and gave me a handshake. He's like, he just held my hand. And I'm like, all right, this is a very awkward moment right here. And then he turned my wrist. It was like playing a power move or something, you know. And then he, then he left some paper in my hand. All right, thank you, Andrew. And, uh, and I opened my hand, and I'm like, there's a couple Benjamins. And right there during the hang time, I was like, dun, 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 dun. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I was like, I just have a church right there. Someone's like, what's wrong with PC? I don't know, but I mean, but God knew. And I'm telling you, it was right when we needed. By the way, God is never late. He's never early. He's right on time. I went right over to Lisa. We just went right over to Lisa right there and looked at she And we both had church. Like, oh, just like, just, just worshiping God. Pastor's like, somebody calm the youth pastor down. Just a little bit over there. Other times where, like, just crazy, that happened two or three times at that church, at that same church, uh, and, and it came from not people even in the church, we would receive a check in the mail for the exact amount of a bill that we did not have. That happened several times. Later, several years later, at another church, someone gave us a car. Like, who does that? That's crazy. Like, I stood there like, what? Yeah, this is yours. Take the game. What? Five years later, uh, at another church, so I'm trying to show you that it wasn't in one place like as the people of God, the people of God, you and I, just being obedient to God. And we're blessing each other. At another beautiful church up in North Carolina where we're at for five years, and God did so many cool things, and it was still just tight as youth pastors. And, and I've, I've shared this before, so I'm just gonna be transparent again for the newer people in the room. Uh, we did not, especially our first 10 or 12 years, maybe, maybe 15, uh, 15 years, we didn't manage our money well. Uh, we're, we're debt-free now, praise God, but back then we just, you know, we lit, come on, we just put things on the credit card. We were stupid. We were immature. And, and, but the thing that we did do was we tithe. We always tithe. And God always came through. Even though we weren't managing over here well, we were obeying him with the tithe, no matter what. I just, Lisa and I would be like, we're going to tithe no matter what. And so I remember in, in North Carolina, uh, us being called to the office after a Sunday's of service, after services on a Sunday. And uh, they said, hey, someone put in the offering $5,000 with a special note to take the Frith family to go to Disney World. And I mean, I'm like, do what? And we had not told anybody anything. And I look over at Lisa, she's like, ah! 
<laughs> and we went to Disney World and had a blast and we could not have afforded it because of someone else. And then finally in Nebraska, before we came here in Nebraska, uh, a couple came up to us and just gave us their credit card and they said, we want you to go on a week-long vacation, take your whole family. And I was just like, what is happening? And so we went to Hawaii and then Jamaica, <laughs> down to Cancun. No, we went to Colorado, but it was still cool. We went whitewater rafting, one of the best vacations we've ever had as a family. And I mean, but it was all expenses paid. Now, these are extreme, but can I tell you, those extreme generous acts changed our lives and our kids' lives forever. And Lisa and I, through the years, we have been on the side of receiving and giving. Come on, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And some of the most joy-filled, incredible, powerful moments we've had over our 27 years of marriage and ministry combined is when we secretly gave to others. I mean, we've done some things where we were watching around the corner. Anybody ever done that before? I'm telling you, like, it, it was, it's been amazing. And can I tell you, it is completely upside down to the world culture that we live in. The kingdom of God is upside down it's counterculture to the world. The world is take, take, take. And Jesus is like, give, give, give. That's kingdom culture. And by the way, somebody needs to hear this. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And I want to just say this to you, Victory, and we're saying this across all of our campuses. We will always be a giving church that wants to meet needs and bless others. No apology. We're going to be a giving, a generous church to meet needs locally, globally, and to bless others. Now, let's look at the same verse. Y'all still with me? All right, three of you, good. We're going to have a small group right over here. <laughs> we'll just kind of go through this together. No, look, let's look at it again. Look at uh, the same verses. And, and if you have your electronic there, uh, turn it over to Amplified. Click on Amplified. I love me some Amplified. Let's look at the language of Amplified, which brings out the tone of the tense of the scripture. That's what Amplified does. It amplifies it, all right? And let's read the same verses. We'll have it on the screen here. Let's look at it together. And he says this, same four verses, but the Amplified version. He says, be very careful not to do your good deeds publicly to be seen by men. Otherwise, you will have no reward. Look at the language here. Prepared and waiting for you. With your Father who's in heaven. Where's our Father? And by the way, it's not in this scripture, but who's sitting right next to him with the right hand? Jesus, all right? So what he's saying is there's awards coming in heaven one day. We'll talk about that in a second. So whenever, somebody say when. There's that when word again, not if, when. So whenever you give to the poor and do acts of kindness, do not blow a trumpet in the synagogue and in the streets. Look at me, look at me. Don't do that. To advertise it as the hypocrites do, which is like actors acting out a role in the synagogue and the streets so that they may be, now look at these words here, so that they may be honored, recognized, and praised by men. I assure you, Jesus says, and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when, somebody say when, but when you give to the poor and do acts of kindness, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Look at this right here. In parentheses, give in complete secrecy. It's like you're on a mission, an assignment, heavenly assignment to meet a need or to bless someone. Verse four, so that your charitable acts will be done in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Man, that's so good. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus is telling us, now hear me on this, that not all giving pleases God. Did you hear that? Not all giving pleases God because it's not just the whole if thing, it's not if, it's when that matters to God, but it's how we give. It's how we give. And there's some questions that I wanna just go introspective. I'm a question person personally, so I can grow. I ask a lot of questions. 
uh, about what I'm reading or if I'm talking with someone, I'll, I wanna understand things. And so here's some questions about when we go to meet needs, when we go to bless someone. Are we giving to impress people? Are we giving to feel good about ourselves? Okay, I, I fed this homeless person, I, I, feel, I feel good. I did, I did it. Are we giving so and trying to meet a need, are we giving to tell good stories about how we bless someone? And, and here's, here's another one that is really just uh, a convictor for me through the years. Are we giving to be thanked? It got quiet up in here. I've had different things that have happened, but I remember, um, you know, if the Lord's put something on our heart because we have walked in this by God's grace to, to give, to bless. That's what we wanna do. That's the kingdom's heart. That's our heart. And I remember uh, about a year ago, um, I cash apped somebody because I knew of a situation. And I got back a response and it was this. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think you realize I just gave you some money. And the Lord brought this back to my memory this weekend as I was studying. I wish I'd have, a year ago would have been more, uh, I don't know what the word is, but more aware, more spiritual. Why'd you have to say that, babe? It was more aware. <laughs> she said spiritual, like Christian need to be more spiritual. Like, I like the word aware, but anyway, um, just more aware, spiritually minded. So, uh, I'm going to get a timeout if I don't watch it. But, uh, and there was something to me like, I just gave you money. You need to thank me. Are we giving to be thanked? Are, are we giving to be recognized? Are, are, are we giving to be seen? So what, what I've got to do, what we've got to do as people, is we've got to constantly examine our motives to make sure we're not showing off to try to draw attention to ourselves. Because come on, as Christ followers, it's not about us showing off, it's about us showing him off. It's about us pointing everything to Jesus and drawing attention to Jesus. That they won't remember us and what we did, they'll remember Jesus. Now listen to me, this is very important. The act of giving, hear this, this is, gosh, this is huge that we get this. The act of giving is biblical, right, and good, but our attitude can be dead wrong. If we're looking for some form of recognition or like, thank you. Listen, we've gotta be able to give to people and bless people whether they ever thank us or not. And I'm not saying that's easy. But we gotta take our hands off it. And if God tells us to bless someone, we just do it for him. And you know what the Lord's doing? Thank you. Thank you for obeying. Thank you for your faithfulness. Because it's not about what the people do or don't do, how they respond. It's about us just being obedient to God. And it's all for him, audience of one. Look right here on the screen. It says this, in a world that just gives to be seen by everyone, we give to be seen by, come on, read it with me, the only one. Audience of one. The world's, everything's about being seen. And we're talking about that just this moment. Just, it's all about everybody seeing something, whether it's social media or whatever else. But it's all for him. And everything I have is his. God, just use me. And if they don't thank me, listen to me, I know it's hard on the ego, but we gotta let our ego die. God, just use me. And I'll just tell you, a lot of times, people might not say thank you, and we need to be okay with that. Because we're doing it for God in the end. And if he tells us to do something, we just obey. However they respond. I know we want to parade, thank you, yes, you are awesome. But actually, we want them to go all to Jesus. So three things very quickly. What happens when we give to impress others? What happens when we give to impress others? Y'all still with me? All right, bigger, bigger small group now. All right, so um, number one, what happens when we give to impress people? That is our only reward. That's it, the people. That's our only reward. Jesus said this, when, when you give, 
Don't announce it to the world like the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. But Jesus uses that word, our English word hypocrite, the Greek word hypocritus, which is literally, it means actor or a player. And this, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying when we give in a loud way to draw attention to ourselves, it's like we're acting because it's not sincere. Look at what I'm doing. I'm blessing this person. That's loud. I'm not saying that's always wrong. We just got to walk in balance and wisdom. Here's, a lot of times we can say we're doing it for God, but we're really doing it so people will recognize us and honor us. But Jesus is saying this. Listen to me, Lebanon. This is crucial that we, we get this. Jesus is saying if you're, if you're giving that way for the applause of the crowd, the applause of the crowd is all that you're going to get. That's, that's the full reward. And church, let me just tell you what. The crowd is fickle. They'll be cheering for you one day and they'll stab you in the back the next. And so remember the crowd that was all Hosanna, Hosanna when Jesus came down that, down that road into Jerusalem and their palm branch, I mean, they're having church. The same crowd that was Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest was the same crowd a week later saying, crucify him. And Jesus is saying, if you're doing this to be recognized and praised and honored by men, that's all you're gonna get. And that's going to go away real quick. Say it to you like this. Uh, the, the famous Dr. D.A. Carlson says this. The goal of pleasing the father is traded for its shrunken cousin, the goal of pleasing men. And can I just take a moment right here to declare over all of us in the room and those who are watching us online, we are not going to be men pleasers. God has called us to be literally God pleasers. We are God pleasers. We fear him first. A holy, reverent fear, not a scared of fear. I'm, I'm more concerned about what he thinks than what you think. Come on, let's be real. I, I'm just going to be really transparent. I would love for y'all to like me, but I don't build my worth and value on whether you like me or not. And we got to be that way. I'm going to do everything to be kind and, and lead well by the grace of God. I'm going to make mistakes as your pastor. We both will. But I'm, but I'm telling you in all sincerity, we can't live for the pleasure and the applause of man. We live for the audience of one. And it's hard because we live in this world that records everything, right? And we're, we're guilty of it. And again, there's times and places that you should because it's great memories. But a lot of times you can't even go to dinner without people taking pictures of their food. You haven't eaten it yet. It just looks so beautiful, so colorful. <laughs> we're guilty. She is. But we're, <laughs> oh, look out, Chris, this is so beautiful. Like you haven't even touched it yet. Well, it'll be a mess later. So like, you know, fireworks. I, I love fireworks. And July 4th is coming. I don't love fireworks in Georgia though because like right around, I don't know what it is, the end of June, people just start doing fireworks all the time. I'm like, somebody help a neighbor out around here. But I do like July 4th. <laughs> One day of fireworks, that's enough. And uh, I have missed fireworks shows trying to get my phone out because we all know at the finale, the last 30 seconds, that's the best of it, right? You're like, you're just waiting for that. The other's like, pew. You know, but the big one's like, fills the whole sky, fills the heavens up, right? And I remember one time I'm trying to get out. We were at this big fireplace, and I, I couldn't get my phone out of my pocket. And finally, I missed the whole thing trying to record it. Concerts. My, my, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're missing it because we're trying to record it, you know? All you get is the back of people's heads. You know, where is he? You know, but, and I even thinking just recently it's happened. My son, my, my third child, Grant, um, he got a, a special honor at his school and it was, uh, and, it, and it was awesome. And Lisa's like, get, go, now, now. And so I'm getting out my phone and I, I drop it right there and I'm getting it out. He's already walking and I'm like, oh God, I'm missing the whole thing. And I got him right when he got the award. Like, there, there you go, you know. <laughs> We, we, and it's, again, please hear my heart, like vacations, all these things, we do it. We love, I love as a family, we take pics, pics of special occasions, families, events, just being together. I mean, we all do that, right? There's, and there's nothing wrong with it, but we gotta walk in balance. And we gotta constantly check ourselves in this snapshot society. Listen, especially when it comes to blessing someone. 
or doing something kind. We gotta be sensitive in those moments. We need to be discerning in those moments. Maybe we don't need to post it for the whole world to know. Maybe just Jesus and that person. So we, we gotta ask ourselves, again, let's go introspective for a moment. Why am I posting this? Is it to be seen? Is it to elevate people's opinion of me? Oh, look at what Chris and Lisa are doing. Mm. Listen, when we give to be seen, that will be our only reward. Number two, the first, what happens when we give to impress people? That's our only reward. Number two, what happens when we give to uh, impress people? There is no reward from God. There's no reward from God. Again, if we live for the applause of people, listen to me, then there's no applause from heaven. If we live for the applause of people, then there's no applause from heaven. And I don't know about you, but I bet everybody wants this also. When I get to heaven one day, and after I get off my feet, after I get off the ground from seeing Jesus face to face, first thing I wanna hear him say besides I love you, son, is well done. Well done. And I know, I'm gonna talk about it. There are rewards that are coming to us for our faithful service to the Lord. It, it, it's very biblical. But man, what the greatest reward of all is seeing him face to face and him saying, I love you. The one that we live for that we never saw on this earth, we'll see one day face to face and we'll fall at his feet, Jesus, Jesus. And he will literally, in my mind, he will pick us up, hold us and say, I love you. I mean, that's a great reward. But then another one is saying, well done, good and faithful servant. So we've gotta be a people that we're not giving to be seen or recognized how about this, or even remembered by man? No, we're giving because we love God. We love that person that we're trying to help even though we might not know them, or maybe we do, and because we can help. Did you hear that last part? Because we can. Are we available to help others? That's why we gotta slow down. We give because we love God Number one, because he gave so much to us, to me. We give because we love that person, whether we know them or not, stranger or close friend, with no strings attached, and because we're help. We're here to help. I'm here to help. Whether it's changing a tire on the side of the road, or it's blessing someone because you hear of a need, and no one knows, they might not even know how you bless them. Whatever it is, we're doing it for Jesus. Amen? And then Jesus said this, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Man, what is that all about? Listen, people get nervous in church when they hear uh, us talk about rewards. And I just wanna just disarm everybody for a moment. That we are not a church that promises rewards, but we serve a God who promises rewards. It's not about this, it's about him rewarding his children. Now listen, on this life, we have one life to live. He rewards us. I could go through a numerous amount of rewards that we have in this life. One of them we've already talked about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So when you, we have, when you remain pure, you're gonna see God in your life in ways that are gonna blow you away. That's a reward on earth. But he's talking about, and you can find this in Matthew 25, you find it all through the Bible in the New Testament where it talks about when we get to heaven at the judgment seat, the actual word there is the bema seat, and we're standing before Christ, literally, he tells us that we will be rewarded for our service to him. Now listen, we don't live for the rewards, he is the reward, but as we live for him on this earth, the scriptures tell us we will be awarded, rewarded for things. What's that gonna look like? I don't know, but it's gonna be cool. Let me give you, I could give you a bunch. I'll just give you this one. Last book in the Bible, Revelation. Look right here, 22, 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly. And my, say it with me, my, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. The reward. Well, if we're doing it to impress people, we will not be rewarded later in heaven. And then number three, what happens when we give to impress people? And man, I wish I had more time on this, but this is a biggie. The help that we're trying to do turns to hurt. Help turns to hurt. 
When we give, when you and I give to be seen by others, there is this unattended side effect that takes place. And where we're trying to help someone, we actually accidentally hurt someone, the one that we're trying to help. When we, when we blow those trumpets, look at me, look at me, and we shine a floodlight on our giving, and we take that picture, you gotta realize there's more than one person in that shot, the person we're trying to help. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful in the midst of trying to be seen, listen to me, in the, in the midst of trying to be seen and elevate ourselves, we'll end up embarrassing and pushing down the very ones we're trying to minister to and help. A famous rabbi said this years ago. He said this, it would be better not to have given him anything rather to, to have given to him publicly and shamed him. Or that word maybe be embarrassed him. Lisa and I, had, there's a beautiful ministry in Los Angeles, inner city Los Angeles called Dream Center. There's several Dream Centers around the nation. We have one here in Atlanta. And uh, we, uh, the first trip, I was, I was rocked. Changed my life forever. I mean, just like, whoa, this is incredible. And with all that's going on there in LA, the church is rising in the darkness and being a city on the hill. And Dream Center will not let you take any pictures of anybody that you minister to in inner city at all. And they told us from the beginning and they kept telling us every day. When we'd go out for the day and come back late at night, they would say, you're not allowed to take one picture of anything that we're doing to bless other people because you're gonna be here and then gone in a week and these people live here every day. And these are the people that matter most. These are who we're called to do. So we're, you know, and I, man, that changed something for me. Like, it's not about me. We don't, we don't have to document every time or take a photo every time we help or bless someone. We're doing it for the Lord. And in the end, come on, the person that we're trying to help or minister to, we want them to experience Jesus, not us. I, I got nothing to give, but Jesus has everything to give. I'm not, I'm not doing these good works so this person or people will brag on me. I want people to glorify Jesus. So I'm gonna do things in secret. I'm gonna be conniving even. What can I do? Whatever I can do somehow to bless or give or meet a need that it doesn't come to Chris and Lisa Frith. You put your name there. What type of people will we be? Y'all with me? This, this is what we have to recognize. And I know this might be a little heavy and it speaks to our heart, but that's good. We need to be challenged in a society that everything is about being seen. We want Jesus to see it and Jesus to get the glory and to do it all for the audience of one, Jesus. Amen? Final, final thing. Centuries ago, I'm gonna read, read this over us and then we're gonna close with a video. Centuries ago, speaking literally the 12th century, a Jewish rabbi formed this list that has been passed on through the generations about the type of charity or a better word would be giving. And he came up with these eight. Now I'm gonna read them quickly because we don't have time to park there. But as I read it, I really encourage you to listen and let the Holy Spirit speak to you I like to see this list as a person that is growing and changing and they go from level one all the way to level eight. As they continue to surrender their life to God, as they continue to grow in God, as they continue to stretch, be stretched, that they go from almost infancy of giving to literally a generous person. Let's look at it together right here on the screen. Eight types of givers and then we're gonna watch a video. The first type of giver is the one who gives sadly and reluctantly. This is the one whose kid guilt, guilt trips you on Christmas or Easter. Dad, give something. Maybe even today you're feeling, in a way, fighting some conviction about what we're talking about. It's like, I, I need to give something. Make myself feel good. But, there's, but honestly, when you come down to it, if we could put words to heart, it's almost like, what's the least I can do and just feel good about it? 
But then that person grows, they go to number two. And the one who gives less than is fitting, but gives it cheerfully. So they, they give less than what they should give, but they give something and they, they give it cheerfully. I'm not, I'm not giving much, the words of the heart would say, but, but I'm happy that I'm giving something. But then it brings us to number three. The one who gives only after being asked to give. So there's growth, you see the growth taking place. The one who gives only after being asked to give. It's like, fine, I'll do it. I see the need, all right, you're asking me. My heart is feeling it, I'm gonna give because you asked. It might take a little pulling, it might take a little prodding, but I'm gonna give to that. Can I tell you, most of us live at this level even though there's five greater levels. Number four, now this is, this is huge, there's growth. There's a heart that's getting bigger for God. Number four, the one who gives before being asked. Change and growth is taking place. They don't need to be reminded anymore. They're just ready and willing from a generous heart to give or to bless or to meet a need. Like God, use me. They've recognized it. That takes us to number five. The one who gives in such a way, now look at this, this is huge. The one who gives in such a way that they do not know who is receiving it. Because we don't have to know. We, we don't know who's receiving it. We're trusting that God is gonna get it there. That's what happens right here in church. Trusting that God's gonna get it. He'll get it where it needs to get, and I don't need the credit for it. I'm just gonna give, I'm gonna obey and give. That brings us to number six. The one who gives in such a way that the receiver does not know who is giving it. We're going a little deeper. <laughs> they still get the honor of giving, but we get to see God do something and the receiver's like, where's this coming from? It doesn't matter, someone just wants you to have this. Be blessed. And that person had probably been praying for months, God, we need a breakthrough. We need help. And it came at just the right time. <laughs> Number seven, the one who gives in a total anonymous way. So they do not know who will receive it and the receiver does not know who gave it. Did you hear that? It's like you give in a totally anonymous way that you don't know who's gonna receive it and the receiver does not know who gave it. We have just experienced this. I'll just tell you a cool God story and I'm making a long story short. For some of y'all, you don't know this because you're newer to victory, 20% of what comes into victory, 20% of what comes into victory goes out into local and global missions. It's incredible. And that itself is phenomenal. We've never been a part of a church that gave 20% out. What came in went out. It's, it's unheard of, actually, by the way. In our church, our leadership is always praying about opportunities, God opportunities. We give, we give, y'all, we all give, but sometimes things happen that we may not be aware of, but God brings it to the attention of our leadership. And recently, making a long story short, through our pa Pastor Farrell, who's in charge of our missions here at Victory, we found out about a family located through a church there in Pakistan, and I can't even go into details due to the seriousness of the nature of the situation. But it was a family that was three generations in slavery. Grandfather, father, and son. Three generations stuck in slavery. And through a whole bunch of cool God ways, we were able to give to help people there in the church, be able to get this family out, pay their debt, and get them out of slavery. And now for the first time in three generations, there is a beautiful family that is out of slavery in Pakistan. Do you know how much that cost us? $2,000. That ain't got nothing on a trip to Disney or wherever we would go. That's like a cheap vacation. It cost us $2,000. But by the grace of God, we broke a family, paid a debt, and broke a family out of slavery. Even though that's an area where the church is under persecution. So it's not all 
Rainbows and Skittles, they've, they've got a lot ahead of them, but they're out of slavery. And that brings me finally to number eight. The type of giver, the growth that has happened. I like to look at it as a person. And they come to number eight in their life. They're so sold out and surrendered to God. This is number eight. It's the one who does not give charity at all, but helps the poor rehabilitate themselves by lending them money, taking them into partnerships, employing them, or giving them work. For in this way, in the end, is achieved without any loss of self-respect of all. And what does that mean? It's not about opening up a checkbook, but about opening up a life, opening up a home, opening your heart to people. The easiest thing in the world is to pay for someone to go on a mission trip. It's actually about us going, us being a part of something. No longer is it charity, it's about empowerment. Amen. Church, we have the incredible opportunity to do this every day. Where you go in your sphere of influence, the people you see, where I go in my daily traffic patterns, all in the great metroplex of Decula, Georgia, where you go, where God takes you all over Atlanta, if we will slow down and listen to the voice of God and be ready and willing, some of us are ready, but we ain't willing, and take our hands off our stuff and say, God, it's all yours. Use me as you will. Get ready for the greatest adventure in your life. It can happen every day, every day. And today we have an opportunity to fully engage at level eight. Something's come across our path that we wanted victory to be a part of. Because you know, this, this is who we are as victory. If we hear about a major need that we can help people, that we can literally by the grace of God rescue people through organizations, we're gonna do it. To lift specifically women in the Miami-Dade area who are being dealt out in sex trafficking and we can give them a fresh start and introduce them to Jesus. I say, let's be a part of that. So turn your attention real quick to the screen. Watch this video real quick. Police continue their search for Layla Cabot, who disappeared two years ago. Cabot's two-year-old son, Camden, was found by himself in the parking lot of the Edge Apartments on Southwest 68th Avenue in South Florida. We are investigating every possibility as to why Layla went missing. Layla Cabot has not been seen since. The search still continues. Two years later, Cabot's body has not been found. What happened to this 21-year-old mother? The whole idea of Layla's home comes from a young lady named Layla who was 21 years old, a single mother, lived in a city north of Atlanta, and she had been communicating with a guy on social media, packed up one night, drove down to South Florida, and went missing. We searched everywhere from Fort Lauderdale down to Miami, and someone locally took us to all the different places where trafficking was happening. And we were just seeing this underbelly of sexual exploitation happening in South Florida. As this story's unfolding, we're looking for Layla, we're praying for Layla to be found, but she's not. And we're kind of left with the question, God, why is Layla not being recovered? And God spoke so clearly in the pursuit of Layla, who is worth it. Look at all the other women that you've encountered along the way that are also worth it. We find here in South Florida, women who are being pimped, women who are being trafficked, minors, women who are being trafficked and don't even know they're being trafficked because they've been so conditioned. Abandonment, they were abused as children. They were neglected. They all have some sort of trauma. One woman told me, I don't do drugs, I don't even drink, but I have to literally disassociate and pretend that this is all a dream so that I can get through the night. I hate doing this. It's a lot of brokenness, a lot of sadness, a lot of darkness, and I guarantee you not one woman wants to be there. There's a very real pain that you feel when you see women caught up in sexual exploitation and you know that you don't have an immediate solution to give to them. So we found this spot 
and it's definitely an active track. There's a guy on a motorcycle who's directly with one woman, but seems to be watching a few across the street as well, and they're all spread out 25, 50 yards from each other up and down both sides of the road, and we've seen a couple of cars pull up next to the girls and talk to them, probably looking for a quote-unquote date. They're on the phone with each other now too, so I would venture to say they are alerted. That's why they're clustering. Let's do a pull off into a gas station or something and see if the guy, because he definitely is matching our pace. Right now, if one of those women had asked us for help right away, that emergency solution doesn't exist. We are in desperate need of a short-term facility here in South Florida. Florida is the third largest state where human trafficking happens. Right now, there's no place to go. There's very few, and they're not specific to human trafficking. We went into the club with this team, and two days after that outreach, I received a text message. This specific woman shared that she needed help and she wanted out of this industry. We talked, we prayed, I reminded her she's loved, she's cared for, that there's an amazing team waiting for her in Atlanta. And get this, the home where this rescued woman came is the same home that Victory helped Frontline purchase with a Christmas gift to the world years ago. Hundreds of women later, hundreds of rescues later, as we're getting ready to launch one down here that Victory once again is gonna be a part of. Having a Christian trauma-informed safe home here in South Florida would mean that a woman gets to have a safe place to stay for longer than just one night. It would mean that we can meet this practical need before meeting any spiritual needs because she won't have to worry about where she's gonna sleep tomorrow and she can just calm that anxiety and fear. And I can tell her, I have a place for you to stay tonight. In our search for Layla and everything that we learned about the anti-trafficking landscape is that there is not a dedicated home, 24-hour staffed emergency around the clock for trafficking victims. Just a few miles away from this very spot is the place that will be the very first emergency safe home that Frontline opens in South Florida. And this home will have the capacity to serve as many as 100 women per year. So if they make that courageous choice to get help, they can get it immediately and there's no barrier to them other than getting to that place of being able to say yes. Every woman who crosses the threshold of this safe home will have the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. Partner with us and let's tell these women that have been overlooked and unseen, you are loved, you are valued, you matter. Praise God. We couldn't let this pass. This is God opportunity dropped literally in our lap from a ministry that we support, many ministries we support, but frontline response to be able to say, God, how can we help? So right here, you can see the QR code. And I would encourage you to get your phone out. And we're not passing a bucket. There's nothing wrong with passing a bucket, but this is something we really want you to pray about. Lisa and I have known this only about the last week. This all just kind of got dropped in the last couple of weeks. And so I'm praying, Lisa's praying. We're gonna talk as a family night, get the kids involved, and we're gonna give something before the Lord to be able to help this. What if we all did that? What if we all prayed and said, God, what can we give to help with this right here? To get these women off the streets, to build a home where there are no homes, 24 access, to get these abused women off the streets where they can meet Jesus and start a fresh new life. Only Jesus can bring that and we can be a part of it, amen? So, and if you're, you know, right here, if you don't want to do it now, you can just go to connecttovictory.com and go to heart, heart of the house. There you are. It's right there. And you can give a coin. We're going to do this over the next couple of weeks. What if we all did this? Oh my gosh. We'll get this house built and get it done to help in that area. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time of diving in your word. We thank you, Father, for giving your all for us. We thank you, Lord, for this message that is so life-changing to be secret givers, to be, Lord, in a way that we're on the lookout. How can I bless someone? How can I help someone? God, you've blessed us so much. 
You've helped us so much. You've helped me and Lee so much, God. To be available, to be ready, to take our hands off our stuff. It's all yours. Lord, we thank you. You gave your all for me. Help us, God, be a giver for you. That it would not point to us or even a church. It would point to Jesus. Our lives would point people to Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, church.